Hello, it is Thursday, March 18th. I am Trent Reinsmith. This is another episode of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Um, dog update, named him Marvin after Marvin Hagler and was reminded yesterday that I wanted to name him Gas Pipe because there was a a mafia hitman and his nickname was Gas Pipe and it just made me, you know, it amused me that the guy's name was nickname was Gas Pipe for I don't know, it just I just found it funny. So he is Marvin, but well we're also gonna call him Gas Pipe. So I'm gonna put a picture of him up. Hopefully. If I forget it, you can feel free to harass me. But he's doing good. He's adjusted well. Um, the only bad thing we, I think we found today is that not a big fan, and this isn't that big of a deal, not a big fan of going outside in the rain. So has not been outside in the rain um, too much today. He'll go out, come right back in. So probably doesn't bode well for snow either, but that's not that rare for these little doggos. Um, but other than that, uh, everything is going good so far, so thank God. Um, sorry if you hear a car alarm. I live in, you know, Baltimore City, and sometimes these things happen in Baltimore. I want to start off today with some George St. Pierre. St. Pierre was talked to ESPN about Habib Nurmagomedov and the fact that maybe the UFC wants him to come back, not so he can get the 30 wins, but so he can be beaten and he can give up his title in that way instead of surrendering his title. And as you know, St. Pierre knows a little bit about this because when he wanted to take some time off after his win over Johnny Hendricks, Dana White pretty much lost his mind and said that St. Pierre owed the UFC and owed the division to fight on even though he said he wanted to take a break, and it's ridiculous to think that a, t a champion or any fighter owes the UFC anything, but that is what White said. So, St. Pierre, like I said, St. Pierre knows a thing or two about this, and here's what he told ESPN. From a business standpoint, for sure the UFC does not like one of their athletes to leave on their own terms, especially when they are champions. They like to keep the ball rolling in the organization, and that's one of the things they were angry at me about. Angry is is probably an understatement. I've done this two times, but I think they attach too much importance into that. If you look at boxing, the way they promote the sport, it would be, for example, Mayweather versus Canelo, and then after, you know, you know what they're fighting for. But in the UFC, the way they promote it is UFC 259. That's the UFC. They promote the UFC. Then you have the two guys. So it's just a different way they promote the sport. I think the promotion should be more centered on the athlete than the promotion because there's all kinds of titles. The title is just a meaning. Even if you're champion, doesn't mean that people think you're the best in the world if you're champion. You can be champion, but you have fought, haven't fought the best guy. People are not stupid. People know that. Um, and then he continued, for that reason, I believe they want to keep Habib in because they feel like Habib is undefeated. He's probably the most dominant career ever. I don't know if he lost a round. He might have lost a round, but he dominates all his opponents. They don't want him to leave on his terms. They want a guy to beat him. Then after, they're going to be like, okay, now you can leave. But Habib is smart. I think he's very smart. He left on top, and there's nothing wrong with that. didn't really think of this, but obviously St. Pierre has thought of it because it's happened to him. 
Um, the Hendricks one was just a terrible, terrible look for the UFC. White looked like an, a little child stamping his feet up and down. I was at that press conference, and he just came off as an idiot, a clown. Um, took a lot of heat for that, and rightfully so. Some fans sided with White for some reason, but some fans will always side with White for some reason. Um, I The points he makes are not that hard to see here. It, it, and I would argue, though, that he's wrong on one of these points. He says, the you know, you look at the fight cards and it's UFC 259. So they promote the UFC first and then the fighters is what St. Pierre says. But I don't even think it's that. I think it's UFC 259 and then Dana White. And then a far third is the fighters. Again, not a mistake. Always been by design. The brand is more important than the individual. We've seen that from the day the Vertitas bought the UFC. The brand was what was worth the money. The brand was what they were going to push. The brand and Dana White. Fighters are interchangeable. In a business sense, it's the perfect idea. But let's not forget, this isn't selling you know, widgets and iPhones. This is selling damage to human bodies and brains over a, a decent length of time for very little money. It's different. That's why the fighters should be promoted first. So um, I think uh, I think St. Pierre has a point here, but I don't know if it makes a lot of sense in the big picture because who is going to beat Habib right now? It's not Conor McGregor, which is what, unless White is so blind to think that McGregor can beat Habib, after what we saw in the first fight, I don't understand. I still don't see anyone beating Nurmagomedov. I just don't. But maybe uh, the UFC has this fantasy, or maybe the UFC is blinded by the McGregor mythos as much as the fans are. But if if they think that he's going to come back and lose to somebody currently fighting in the lightweight division, I do not think that's the case. And also, I still don't think he is coming back. Um, all of this is show. Why would he come back? Who Who's there? No one right now. Maybe Chandler, but I, I, I think he runs over Chandler. Dog's sneezing, so sorry about that. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand what St. Pierre's saying here. All of it checks out, but I don't know if, uh, if that's really the case with Habib, but it does make sense. It does make sense. So we're going to look at two fights from uh, the UFC Vegas 22 card. First one is the main event. Derek Brunson and Kevin Holland. Uh, statistically, Brunson 6'1", Holland 6'3". Holland has an 81-inch reach, which is four inches more than Brunson. And that's about the, you know, those are the differences in the physical aspects um, Holland is a busier strikes landed per minute at 4.74, Brunson 3.77. Holland is more accurate at 57%, Brunson 47. Pretty close in strikes absorbed per minute. Holland's a little lower at 2.77 to Brunson's 2.95. Defense again very close, 56% to 54 in favor of Holland. Um, we know Brunson is more active in his wrestling. He averages 3.02 takedowns per 15 minutes to Holland's 
Brunson's accuracy is 31, Holland 42. No one has taken Brunson down 100%. Takedown defense, Holland 52%. Submission averages, Brunson 0.4 and Holland 0.8. So that's how they match up in statistics. Holland, of course, was uh, many people's pick for fight over the year last year. He went 5-0 and and... If not fighter of the year, comeback fighter of the year, um, he went like I said five and zero, and the, he knocked out Jacare from his back, uh, which was just crazy. Uh, so that was a memorable way for him to close out the year. So the odds favor Holland. Um, I I favor Holland, but I don't think I'd put money down on this fight. If I was going to put anything down, I think maybe I'd put a prop down on Holland getting a early knockout. But if the longer it goes, the less I am inclined to think that Holland would win. I'm, I'm still picking him, like I said. But I would, I'm picking him for an early knockout. So I'm, I'm you know, hedging that a little bit and thinking the longer the fight goes, the better chance Brunson has maybe to gas him out a little bit um Brunson can't lead with his chin here but and he has a history of that so hopefully that ends up not happening Brunson is obviously the gatekeeper in this situation um, but Brunson has been a gatekeeper for a long while and he does not let people through that gate it's very rare and the ones that do end up you know fighting for titles or being champions so you have Adesanya, you have Whitaker, uh, Souza, and Romero. So don't take Derek Brunson lightly just because he hasn't, he doesn't have the uh, the buzz about him that Holland has right now. Um, so I just think that Holland is the better fighter right now. If he believes his hype, he might take this fight a little lightly. I don't think that'll be the case. I think his goal is to fight Adesanya, so I think his eye is on the prize of the title fight, and I think he understands what he needs to to get there. Um, by far his most difficult fight, by far the fight that we will find out what he is made of and how high his he can possibly go, but um, I do believe he wins this fight, and I, if I was betting, I would bet early knockout. And like I said, the longer it goes, the less likely I feel he has his advantages. But we shall see. The other fight I want to look at is the short, briefly, is the Gregor Gillespie and Brad Riddell fight. Um, Gillespie hasn't fought since he got knocked out terribly by by um, Kevin Lee in November 2019. That was his first career loss. Riddell has fought uh, twice since then beating Magomed Mustafov and Alex Da Silva. Both of those were decisions. Um, what I expect here is is going to be a, a grappling fest. I think Gillespie thought he could stand with Lee and didn't want to test Lee on the ground in his wrestling because Kevin Lee is a good wrestler. And he paid the price for that by getting knocked out, brutally knocked out. Uh, so I, I think he's going to go back to, I'm a wrestler and I'll strike if I have to instead of, I'm a wrestler, but I think I'm going to try striking. Big difference in those two. So I think uh, Gillespie goes back to wrestling first, 
striking only if needed. His takedown average per 15 minutes is 7.02, which is ridiculous. Riddell's at 1. Gillespie's accuracy of takedown is 47. Riddell's 37. Takedown defense. No one's uh, attempted to take Gregor Gillespie down, which probably makes sense because you don't want to be on the mat with him. Riddell's is 60. Submission average, uh, 0.9 for Gillespie, 0.0 for Riddell. So Riddell's going to try and keep this fight standing. Gillespie is going to do all he can to get this thing to the mat and keep it there. I think he is able to do that. Um, so I'm going to pick Gillespie here, and I'm going to think, um, hmm, Gillespie by, let's go Gillespie by ground and pound, knockout, or TKO, probably later in the fight. So I think this is a bounce back. I think Gillespie knows what, why he and how he lost that fight to Kevin Lee. I think his, he'll still work on developing his striking, but it's going to go back to being a secondary aspect of his MMA fight game. I just don't see him pushing the striking or even doing much striking on the feet if he does not have to. So going Kevin Holland, early knockout. Gregor Gillespie, late knockout. If you want a third one, probably the easiest pick. Uh, I'm going to go tied to Avasa, knockout on a, a late a late uh, replacement opponent. And other than that, I don't really see a, a lot that I like in advance of this card. I mean, I'll watch the whole card and comment on it after because that's what I do. But going into it, I think those three fights are the ones that I would focus on the most. But again, you know, to hark back to what Dana White often says, a card that's not great on paper can turn out to be great. It happens, and could it happen this week? Sure. But we'll have to watch to see. And with that, I am going to sign off. Maybe I'll be back tomorrow. Maybe I'll be back after the fights. We'll see how, what, if anything exciting happens and overnight or during the day tomorrow. Uh, until then, everyone stay safe. Mm -hmm.